Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in film from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I was an assistant director in Hollywood for the better part of eight years. Now I'm not. Today, we're talking about Stakes on a Plane, a 2006 action movie directed by David R. Ellis and starring Samuel L. Jackson. Over at Rotten Tomatoes, its tomato meter percentage is 69%, and the critics' consensus reads, Snakes on a Plane lives up to its title, featuring snakes on a plane. It isn't perfect, but then again, it doesn't need to be. That is actually a more generous summary than I was expecting, but as usual, that's not what we're here to talk about today. In fact, today, we're not even talking about the entire movie, but instead we'll be focused on the five days of reshoots that were done in Los Angeles when it was decided to release the movie rated R rather than PG-13. We'll discuss those circumstances in more detail later in the podcast, but first, a couple of notes for listeners. Since we are specifically discussing rated R content, this podcast will contain discussions of nudity, gore, and explicit language. All of the podcasts are marked that way just in case, but this one is a definite. Second, longtime listeners may recall that we discussed another David Ellis film, Cellular, in episode one, and we mentioned how he's missed without actually adding any context. That was an oversight. For listeners who are unaware, David passed away in 2013 while in South Africa prepping to direct his next film. Now let's introduce my guests. Eric Pott, you are not credited as the first AD on the film itself, which was shot in Canada, but you were the first AD for the LA reshoots. Yeah, absolutely. I got called in. They were doing this set of reshoots here in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, I'd known David for years. It was, it was actually an adventure. I went in thinking, I don't love snakes that much, but uh, boy, I think I had a pretty good time. Well, Eric, I've got a question for you before we get into the movie, and that's this. TV or film, of all the other work you've done, which would have been most improved by introducing snakes? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. You, you put the word snakes in absolutely any title, and it suddenly becomes a wildly different and possibly more interesting movie. I'm just like running down my resume quickly thinking about this, like <sighs> Home Alone with Snakes. You could do that. My best friend's snake wedding. <laughs> Freaky Serpent Friday. <laughs> I, but... It's funny when you put the word snake in it, 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 those would all be the same movie if you think about it. And so I think it's a career highlight to have worked on sort of the Citizen Kane of snake movies here. Thanks, Eric. Glad to have you. Next, Paula Janos, you were the key second AD for these reshoots. Welcome to Below the Line. Thanks, Skid. Nice to be here. Paula, same question. On which of your projects would you have added in snakes? Now, before you answer, after looking over your IMDb page, if you name anything other than This Is 40, you're going to need a good explanation. <laughs> this is 40 snakes <laughs> or <laughs> snakes anatomy. I, uh, you know, we've probably got a lot of things. I, I think anything would be improved with snakes, especially the big boa constrictor. <laughs> we'll talk more about him in a bit. Finally, in our fourth chair, we have a special guest, Annie Ellis, the stunt coordinator for the snakes on a plane reshoots and David's sister. Annie, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, Annie, yours is going to be a little more specific. Looking back over your extensive resume, tell us about a time you said to yourself, this is an excellent stunt, but I wish we had found a way to work in some snakes. Well, just this morning, I was looking through my resume briefly, and I was thinking of a couple that would have been funny to add snakes. One was uh, on a film called Coneheads. I doubled Beverly D'Angelo for several months. And I was thinking it would have been great to have a snake wrapped around my cone every day. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other one... Um, See, we're R-rated already. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, hey now. So, and then um, I was thinking um, Twister for six months doubled Helen Hunt. 
they they actually you know so many people have said oh that was cgi right no they did drop that exploding tanker truck right in front of us they used huey helicopters to drop big combines in front of us but then they did cgi in a cow floating through the air in a hurricane tornado so i thought you know that'd be a cool place to put some snakes all kind of like they did when they were swept out of the plane on snakes on a plane you know i feel like we could have been ahead on the whole sharknado phenomenon but with snake nato come on who would see that (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I actually find that more realistic than Sharknado. So. <laughs> well, I think, I think Snakes on a Plane started Sharknado. I think we can take yes. credit for Sharknado. Um, if David was still around, he would have been directing Sharknado. So um, it would all come together. All right. Well, back to the film. Let's first add a little context for our listeners. Snakes on a Plane was initially shot in Canada with principal photography wrapping in September 2005. Now, all of you had worked with David before. Annie, most notably, you collaborated with your brother on most of his films, but none of you were part of the original crew. What's the story there? Well, what's interesting, you know, I and my my other, my first AD that I come and worked with, uh, Benjamin Rosenberg, had been talking to David about this movie he was going to do, which was Snakes on the Plane. He was pretty excited about it. So for a while, we were talking about doing it in Los Angeles. So I had been hearing about it for a year. Ultimately, New Line decided to save some money and move it up to Vancouver, which is where they shot it. So we were not able to go along. But as soon as these reshoots came up, the phone rang, you know, great. Because to clarify, when they shot to, uh, when they went to Vancouver, they had um, Directors Guild of Canada folks take over the assistant director roles. Exactly. Yeah. It does not make financial sense to bring a crew up to Canada where there's already a very talented crew base sitting there ready to work. Annie, can the same be said for stunts on a movie like this? That is correct. Um, It is really hard to bring anybody up to Canada. Although my first stunt coordinating job was David's first main directing job was Homeward Bound 2. I went straight from doing Twister to doing that. And it was great that they allowed me to come to do that. But I was um, turned down on a couple other films and one was Snakes on a Plane. They would not let him bring a lot of his favorite people that he wanted to. There was uh, one stunt guy flown up there that was Clay Cullen, who did most of the motorcycle work on the film, except for a a short piece cruising along in Hawaii. But all the other jumps and everything was done by Clay Cullen up in Canada. When you mentioned Homeward Bound 2, that was also shot up in Canada. That is correct. Okay, well, so they finished the film up in Canada with a largely Canadian crew, um, largely Canadian stunts, and then decided that they were going to go from a PG-13 rating that was shot to R and that some reshoots would be necessary. Do you guys know any of the backstory about how that decision was made? Well, what I remember at the time, and this is the only film that I can think that this happened, this film, as maybe you guys remember, was incredibly famous while it was being made or even before it was being made. It was... I think commonly thought to be the first, you know, internet craze. It had memes going about it while it was still being shot. And as I recall, what happened was the internet buzz and the craze around it got so far ahead of the film that New Line perhaps was nervous the film wasn't going to keep up with the internet. So I would say that all of the reshoots we did were specifically to address that point, you know, to change it to a PG from a PG to an R was specifically to try to match the level of crazy stuff that was going on the internet. Remember people were making videos, there were whole websites dedicated to snakes on a plane and it was crazy how much stuff was going on about that movie. 
I think people were creating the logo and the show, the show open on the internet. Everybody was going nuts about it. And this was a time before, like you said, before memes and, and videos were all that popular. I think that it just took off. Yeah. So from my understanding, what my brother told me was he said one of the biggest things that kept being said on the internet was uh, they love how Sam Jackson on all his movies uh, that are, are, he says, mofo, something. Thus came the line, the mofo snakes on the mofo plane. And they loved it. They, that's exactly what they wanted. So then David um, had them add some uh, pretty funny other, other scenes into that, um, the reshoots. And specifically, I remember that that line had come up in a series of web comics that some third party had created a web page with the snakes on the plane comet. And they had Sam Jackson basically from, you know, Pulp Fiction Sam Jackson running around killing snakes and saying dialogue from Pulp Fiction. And that's where the motherfucking lines, which is word for word, what ended up being put into this reshoot. So that's actually probably one of my career highlights. You know, there's only so many times in life you can say, I was there when this moment happened. You know, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn or, you know, I'll be back. I was there in the room on March 7th, 2006, when Sam Jackson, you know, screened that into the camera. So from there, let's um, break down what exactly the scenes were that were subject to reshoots. Now, I didn't work with you guys, so I don't know, but I have watched through the movie, and I have some guesses about what may have been added later. Let's start with some of the profanity. Your, his notable cursing, Sam Jackson has two lines that it looks like it was clearly shot in the reshoots. The first is, I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. He shoots that in the airplane. Clearly that was during the reshoots. Correct, as you've established. 100%. So much so that you'll see that it's just a close-up of him, right? We did not have a full plane when we did the reshoot. We did not have the full cast. So it is just a close-up. The lighting's slightly different, even though Adam Greenberg is, you know, a wonderful DP that was in his later years. And uh, I think that was his last movie, truth be told. And so now he has another notable curse line where they're landing the plane at the end. And he says, turn this big motherfucker left. And I'm pretty sure his mouth's on camera or not. Do you guys recall? We definitely shot him up in a fake cockpit. We didn't have a full cockpit. So that was, you're batting a thousand so far. Okay. <laughs> I can think of one more that I remember off the top of my head, but go. So the other one I think I see on screen is an air controller says, holy fuck. But I'm not entirely sure if that's true or whether that was just voiced in later. In fact, let's talk about that in general. During the attack in the version I watched, there's a lot of profanity but I'm wondering if most of it wasn't added as voiceover without new footage. I, I don't recall a lot of uh, the, the cast members saying a lot of fucks um, other than Samuel Jackson. Right. What we ended up shooting is basically a small plane full of a lot of stunt players. And then we had the specific actors in for specific lines. They would come in and say one line or do one shot. So we did not have the actors there for the stunt sequences. So I cannot imagine that there was a lot of dialogue from the stunt players. So what other name actors did you guys have in uh, in the course of the reshoots? We had Juliana Margulies. Uh, we had the gentleman that played Sean. Help me out, Eric, what his name was. He was Australian. <laughs> <I remember. laughs> nice young guy. Obviously, yeah. Samuel Jackson. We had Keenan Thompson, who was yeah. uh, big at the time from Saturday Night Live. And he was great and funny and warmed up the whole day It was with his humor and his, his liveliness. We even had Taylor Kitsch, which now going back and looking at my notes... Oh my God, we had Taylor Kitsch. I'm a now a huge fan of Friday Night Lights, but at the time, I don't think I, it, it, it just went right past me. 
Bobby Cannaval was in it as the FBI guy. We had him for a day, I think. I worked a lot with Bobby in a room with cages of snakes, and he did not like it. <laughs> he did not like that at all. I, I think that's actually a personality test. Do you like snakes or do you not like snakes? And, you know, there's probably just two camps. And the people that do like snakes, I don't know those people. There are not that many of them. So, <laughs> Well, there's Jules Silvestri, who is the snake wrangler, and he adores snakes. You know, I've worked with him several times, and it just takes a personality that's not like mine, but, you know, he lights up when he's around a snake, so God bless him. He liked to actually cuddle with the snake. I probably didn't need to know that. <laughs> 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 Let's talk about some of the specific scenes that did feature stakes. One scene that is definitely added for the rated R version of the movie is the bathroom scene where the couple is having sex using drugs. And in fact, a snake comes through the roof and bites her on the naked breast. There are also scenes of that couple before and then the scenes after, after they're dead. And I'm wondering whether all of these were shot during the reshoots or whether this was a reimagining of a scene that existed at the original. Well, I've, I've got notes from our, our one-liner, which is what we shoot each day, for those who don't know. And on our first day, the last thing that we had scheduled was additional coverage of the mile-high death scene. So it was additional photography. Yeah, and I definitely remember we, we recreated that bathroom. So that was a freestanding set that we shot uh, uh, the two of them in there but I do not have any memory of shooting them in seats or bringing them to that bathroom, which is a shot in the plane. And we did not have a full plane. We had a piece of one of the, uh, the main section where all the mayhem happened. That, that was the only part we built of the plane. So. so it's very likely there was a mile high seed, just maybe not as explicit as the one we got in the, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, there actually had to be because you had the stewardess outside saying, oh, they're having a good time, right? And we definitely didn't shoot that stuff. So there had to be a mile high scene. And what we, we did is we brought body doubles in and we, we cast body doubles, some young lady who was comfortable having her breast bitten. <laughs> How do you put that on a resume? <laughs> <laughs> hey, mom, I'm in a movie. <laughs> this is weird, isn't it? I mean, think about this. This is what we did for five days. You know, before that, David in the studio cooked up everything that they hadn't been allowed to do before. And it's just sort of like every young person's little fantasy of what you would do with toy snakes. And, you know, if nobody's saying no, and that's what that week was a lot of nobody saying no. Well, let me ask about the other bathroom scene where the snake uh, bites a man on the penis. Was that in the original or did you guys shoot that? What do you think, Skid? <laughs> that, that, was, that was definitely added. And uh, my brother and I, um, on several movies, he's asked me, what stunt guy do you think could play this part good? He told me what the, the scene he was cooking up was. And I said, uh, right away, I thought Matt Baker would be perfect for that. And he did an awesome job. He did oh. such an awesome job. <laughs> it was it. amazing. So looking at himself in the mirror and doing the whole deal, it was awesome. Oh, come on. The, sh the shot between the legs. Yeah. <laughs> the snake come on. <laughs> Yes, and that was definitely not shot in Canada, any of it. So. And it's not in the trailer, so th no. there it is. Yeah. And it's so gratuitously over the top that then we smashed his head into a mirror, you know? Then he bashes oh. against another wall and blood goes everywhere from being bit by a snake in the groin. So it's like, that, that's where I'm saying it was just like so wonderfully over the top during the sequence. I mean, we're going to get to the heel and the ear gag in a minute, but it's like... 
come on. <laughs> Who and why did somebody think that up? And at the moment, I'm kind of blaming you, Annie, because you're the only one here. <laughs> In fact, uh, Eric, you mentioned the next scene on my list to ask about, and that was the high heel in the ear. Now, when we start to talk about violence, I have to say, PG-13 allows for a lot more violence than maybe I would expect, uh, maybe more these days than back in 2005. But where the woman steps on the prone man's head and the high heel goes into his ear, that seemed a little over the top. <laughs> you think? That was, <laughs> that was LA too. That was the reshoot. Yeah, that, was, that was Cindy, wasn't it? What, that was yes. my brother's yep. wife at the time. Yes, that was Cindy. Stepping on a Step Seipert, Seipert, wasn't in, it? Get in in her bro that's her brother, John yeah. Seipert. Uh, she got to step into his ear, yes. <laughs> this, yes. Filling childhood fantasies everywhere. Right. So, As my brother, my brother would always say when he would be playing a joke on someone, he'd always say, payback's a bitch. <laughs> and that's what it was with Cindy and her brother. I heard yep. that on the set a lot, payback's yep. a bitch. She got the payback there. And Skid, you remember in the uh, cellular one, which other people can listen to, but you know, it was always when you're working with David, it's going to be the same group of people. It was David getting his friends and family together and having a good time. And occasionally we'd be making a movie. So, you know, that's some of that fun <laughs> makes it on the screen, which is great. People that love, you know, David films, it's, it's a taste. And for those people, it's wonderful for us shooting it. It was wonderful, you know, just being with Annie and David, Tawny, everybody, and the whole gang of boys who probably all grew up together as well. You know, these are people that have been friends forever. Let me ask about one more scene that I thought was on the edge, and that's when a guy falls off the stairs and gets a very serious neck wound. Do you guys shoot that, or was that in Canada? I believe he's, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but he's talking, we actually set up a huge, big plywood board and had these things on it and that was Oakley Lehman who um, Oakley met my niece David's daughter Tommy on cellular and they ended up getting married and that was him doing that stunt it I that. don't yeah. think it's what Skid's talking about but that obviously oh. is is a big gag we did it's oh, hardly in the movie compared one. to the amount of time we spent on it the slant rig which was yeah. supposed to be Oakley falling off the stairs and then falling on a sharp you know, metal pole sticking up in the ground and it came right through his chest. And it was actually the first time I'd ever done a slant rig, which is a great gag where you put an actor basically at a 45, all the actor shows is their arms and their head and the rest of the body is like a mannequin. So you can drop it on a rail rig and have things explode out of their chest, you know? So not the thing you should try at home, but it looks great on film. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was referencing a different scene with the next cut, but I do know where you're talking about falling onto, uh, I think, where something comes through his chest, falling through the yeah. ring. So I'm familiar it, with that. It's very brief. I think you're probably, there was a, a like a glass thing had that gone through, I think it was uh, Lee Smith's neck. Then we had this appliance wrapped around and she's pulling out to spread it. That's actually Tawny, isn't it? That was Tawny yes. pulling the glass out of his neck, yes. <laughs> spurting blood. Every, again, utterly gratuitous. Total cutaway, two characters we'd never seen anywhere in the film. That's all of these in vignettes. If you think about it, it's like, where'd these people come from? They weren't on this plane. It's suddenly like an episode of Lost where there's different extras every week. And yes. uh, suddenly we spend screen time killing them, which is gratuitous and wonderful. And I guess it's what the audience wanted. So that's what the, we did. The other really fun one on, along those lines was another girl I thought of, a good friend of mine, Leslie Alletter. David wanted the snake to bite someone's tongue 
And she had to walk around all day, though, with this fake tongue thing in her mouth. Remember that? Like, almost all day, she had to walk around with this tongue thing. But, yeah, she gets bit by the snake on her tongue. And then later, I don't know, 20, 15, 20 minutes later in the film, you see her in her chair going, with the tongue thing. Oh, my goodness. What would that movie be if you took out these vignettes and there's got to be, you know, 15 of them by the time we're done here? It's like, I I don't even know what that sequence would have been without these. It would just be people yelling, right? (laughs) And running around. Yelling around, bumping into each other. It's interesting. We we planned, I don't know how much we actually took, but we planned an hour for the swollen tongue bit. And we planned two hours for the uh, shard of glass in the neck. Just, you know, I'm looking at my notes. And then the heel in the ear uh, just was an hour just to set up. <laughs> just to right. set it up. And it was four pieces. We had a, a mannequin head they stepped on, was the wide. And then when you're in close, we had a breakaway heel that came out of uh, his head. It was a lot of fuss and time or something that people just blink at in the movie and just becomes a m- montage of mayhem, which is probably what that whole act should be called. That's a list of the scenes that hopped out at me. Tell me other scenes that I may have missed that were definitely on your list to shoot. Well, we had a passenger that was swallowed by a snake. A snake just came in and took his whole face off, if I remember correctly. Uh, that, that, was, that was CGI, but we did have him getting his face sucked. It's true. What is Paul or, I don't remember the actor. Either the character or the actor was named Paul. And we had the Kong supposed to be wrapped around him and going down and chomping on his head. like. And that was the rich businessman character, but he was definitely in the early part of the movie. So he came back in for reshoots that made his death even more violent than the original? Yes, absolutely. The whole uh, him being crushed and his eyes, I, he did get killed, I think, in the original script, but the the manner being chomped on the head and him being crushed with his eyes exploding, that was absolutely all us, which was really just him sitting there and quivering and the visual effects boys taking a lot of measurements because it was all visual effects. One thing I'll say about that, I do remember, I believe it was at the premiere, that people actually clapped when he was being squeezed because that goes on for, I don't know, 30 seconds, right? Of him being wrapped around, squeezed, and then pull. Because they were, everyone was so mad at him because he threw the little dog in the snake's mouth. You but know, who, just, who didn't want to throw that dog into the snake's mouth? Well, Come on. No, I don't want to ever throw any dog into a snake's mouth. Right? Annoying dog. I know, he was annoying, but that's what he was supposed to be. But um, the guy could have thrown the little baby that was crying on the other side of him into the snake's mouth. You know, it was crazy. Those were in the pink pages, I guess. I didn't get that scene. <laughs> well, to answer your earlier question, believe it or not, we did not do entirely R-rated stuff. There was a bunch of pickups. Normally, a show does have a few amount of reshoots you know, to put stuff to, uh, together, some glue. And we actually ran around for part of a day and shot some establishings of buildings, establishing of a parking lot. And we reshot the very first shot of Sean in the Motorcycle. episode. Yeah, and the motorcycle. So that opening shot of him working on his motorcycle is a reshoot. I think it was in a, a viaduct or a gully in Van Nuys. So it, w- it was kind of silly. We were right at an intersection just a few feet down. We put up some greens and had him sitting there next to his bike working on it. It was a dirt <laughs> patch and the, uh, the greens department did a fantastic yeah. job to make it sort of look like Hawaii. Built it, built it from scratch and tried to match what they had shot in Hawaii, which obviously is a little greener than poor, dry Los Angeles. Because... And I do actually remember the shot we were replacing. You know, the scene, the, the movie opens with all that motorcycle stuff. And then it cut to him sound asleep. He was lying by his bike, curled up, taking a nap. 
And then he heard this noise and got up and walked away. And it was not a great dynamic introduction to your hero. So it was thought we should have doing something like masculine, like working with tools. So he's working with tools and drinking a Red Bull. So that's much better than being asleep. Aha, sponsorship again, Red Bull. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, David was one of the instrumental people in getting them to take over this, the World Stun Awards. Wherever mayhem is, Red Bull follows. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk more about the scenes you guys did in the plane. You guys had snakes for the reshoots. What kind of stuff were you guys doing in there? One of the funny ones was I, I, <laughs> I hired uh, two people to have uh, snakes dropped on them. Ended up being 30 snakes. And they're in a big trash can. And they dump them. They have a hole in the ceiling of the plane. And they are going to dump them on those people. And, oh gosh, about 40 minutes maybe before lunch, my brother comes over to me and says, set up a shot with three cameras looking over a seat. And we're going to put you there and in the seat and have them dump snakes on you. I was like, what are you talking about? On me? I hired two stunt people to do that shot. And he says, oh, no, uh, no, no, just set it up. We'll, we'll do one with you, too. I got to go to the dentist. My, my teeth are, you know, bad. I got to run, you know, emergency to the dentist. And about 20 minutes later, we have all three cameras set, and I'm sitting there and getting ready to do this. And I, out of the corner of my eye, I see my brother walk down the aisle on the other side of the set, and he goes to his video monitors. And I said, right then I knew in my head, he was, I think this is one of his jokes that he loves to play. <laughs> And um, so sure enough, with the first take, the snakes were all wrapped around each other in a big blob. They drop on my lap and I'm supposed to get up and run, you know, and David goes, oh, no, no, you, you get up way too fast. Let them settle a little. In other words, <laughs> have the snakes on you a lot longer. I mean, but so they separate them more up there in the ceiling and then they drop them all on me. I get up, I run. OK, but we do it a few times. Yeah, yeah OK, let's go to lunch. Now we come back after lunch and we come in and we got the two stunt people I hired to do that stunt sitting in the center of the plane in their seats. I look up at the ceiling and I say to my brother, where's the hole where we're going to dump the snakes on them? And he says, what? Oh, no, no. We'll just CGI their snakes. That's computer generated imaging for anyone who doesn't know that. So that's right when I knew that it had all been a joke on his sister to dump real snakes on her head. <laughs> oh, that was a fun one. I think the point is well made that it was a happy, happy, fun set. Even though we were doing some really wild stuff and gruesome things and we had snakes slithering around us the whole time, it was a happy set. And I, I, I had the pleasure of working on a couple of pictures also with David and they were always happy sets. Friends, family, it was a great time. When we were talking about cellular, it came up that David was a practical joker. Any other specific jokes that he pulled on the snakes of a, on a plane reshoot that you guys recall? You know, he did so many on, on every job. Uh, the cupcake one is where he would uh, go over to craft service in the morning and he'd have his uh, little cupcake paper little holder things. And he would have them give him the coffee grounds. And he'd have the little, you know, pre-made frosting little things he would get. And uh, so he'd make these cupcakes and they were full of coffee grounds. And then he'd put the frosting, he'd put little pretty sprinkles on them and they looked all great. He'd have them on a plate. 
on Video Village on top of the video monitors and, and especially to new actors. Now, he, he never did it to Kim Basinger but in uh, several <laughs> women actresses, but he did do it to many of his big actors. He would say, oh, buddy, it's your first day on the set. Come here. You know, they didn't know about his joking yet. Come here. You got to try my cupcakes. Come on. Your first day, you got to try my cupcakes. They are so good. And of course, everyone around them, probably including Eric, would say, oh, yeah, buddy, you got to try these. They're really good with David makes. And they'd take a big bite of them and they were coffee grounds. So that was just one <laughs> joke he would do. I think I remember he also had those uh, little packages of breath strips were big at the time. Uh, I think it was Listerine oh, yeah. breath strips. And he would go around to everybody saying breath strip, breath, breath strip. And, you know, you don't want to deny the director whether or not you need a, you're thinking maybe I've got bad breath. <laughs> so well, the director thinks I do. So you'd grab one and you'd put it in and what was it just a post-it? <laughs> and, and everybody knew, was in on the joke, except of course the poor person like me <laughs> <It was laughs> on, a, on a post-it strip. Yeah. Oh, perfect. He would actually put it inside the holder, right? So he'd take the mini oh, post-its. And it yes. would be in a breath mint holder and you'd pull it off the top. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I gotta he, try that. I like the water bottle ones he did too. There was two different brands he, he did. Arrowhead has the mountains, you know, and he would come up and he'd take a, a little needle and he would poke a hole right in the mountain area and he would go, oh my God, have you seen this guy skiing right here? No, you gotta look closer, dude. And then he'd just squeeze his bottle and it would go right into their eye, right? But there's another brand, I'm trying to think of it, who on their label, it has a little lake. So on the lake, you've seen the guys fishing or the guy water skiing or whatever. He'd come up with something that you go, wait, I don't see that. And he'd get you to go real close. It'll be another chapter in the book. Wow. Yes. You know, the interesting thing for a movie called Snakes on the Plane, they had certainly a lot more snakes up in Canada than we had down when we did our shoot because we were so specific in what we needed. There was not a vast number of snakes slithering around, which made me very happy. You know, Eric Henry was visual effects, so there's a lot of visual effects stuff we were setting for. And then the B camera and the splinter unit were off shooting very specific stuff with real snakes slithering around over a bag or over a, a foot. But I heard the other day that they had 450 snakes up in Canada, and so they win. Hands down, we weren't even close to that. How many snakes do you guys recall you had? would not uh, say it's a huge number. I, I do remember well, that one scene with Bobby Cannavale had a lot of cage snakes. So that one had, for that scene, we did have a large number of snakes for that. But as Eric is saying, on the day when we were shooting specific scenes, I think the most might have been the one where it dropped on Annie. Uh, and, and most of the stunt guys maybe had two, three, four snakes slithering on them, but I don't remember any huge quantities. The trash can full, the, the snake wrangler told me it was 30 snakes. They were smaller snakes. They were oh, about two and a half to three feet max. The one scene where they, they're first starting to come out of the air vents and such, and people don't know that they're there yet. So they're slithering around on the floor. No, it wasn't more, it couldn't have been more than 30 max again, but it was different snakes. And all we were told, there was just a few of us stunt people sitting in seats on the one little side of the plane. Um, but he just told us just stay really still. 
And so I'm watching these snakes and, and I, I'm pretty sure David had the cameras just like from the knees down, you know, and I don't believe they were even rolling sound. So I, I say to one of the snake wranglers, this snake down here, and I'm watching this one snake and he goes around my ankle and he starts to go around. And, and all I could think of was, you know, how they wrap around people like the man who got wrapped around, squeezed and then chomped on. And I go, hey, is this what they do when they're about to bite you? Don't they strangle you? Because he looked like he was doing that to me, to my ankle, right then. And I know I'm supposed to be really still, but I'm not really wanting to leave my leg there with him wrapping around it like that. And right then I had my wardrobe pants were real loose. I remember all of a sudden this, this other little snake, and he, he was maybe two and a half feet. He had been going up uh, my pant leg on, on the inside of my other leg. So I didn't even see him because I'm watching this one wrap around my ankle. And he must have been touching the pant leg itself because I didn't feel him till his head touched the inside of my knee. And all I remember is jumping straight up towards the <laughs> ceiling because I felt that snake on the inside. And, it, and I started laughing so hard because we were told the biggest thing you, you got to remember is to stay really still. And here I am <laughs> leaping out of my chair because this other snake I didn't see is touching my leg. That's but, you setting a good example yeah, for the team. Yes. <laughs> don't do what example, I do. Don't, don't do that. It was all good. It's all good because, you know, snakes, <laughs> as we all learned, a snake, you can't train a snake. A snake just goes from a light place to a dark place. And your yes. pants clearly were a dark place. Yes. I'm just <laughs> Boy, that sounds wrong. I can't say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he didn't get I take it. that one back. Thank God I didn't have a dress on. He might have gone up to the crotch before I felt him, right? <laughs> so I certainly remember David talking about that during the course of filming and through post-production, it had become more and more CG because snakes don't move very fast and they don't do much. So anytime a snake needed to be pretty scary, obviously they were all CG and they're CG in the movie. Yeah, our visual effects department and team on the day took a lot of time and they, you know, a lot of the shots were getting it precise lighting for their needs. And as Eric's saying, most of it was not real snakes. Yeah, they did an awesome job. Yeah, that, that's Eric Henry. And he went on to do more films with David. I certainly know when we were down doing Final Destination, that was, that's all Eric Henry. And he took it to another level on that one even. So there it is. Yes. Yeah. It's an amazing yeah. group of guys. Yeah. Would you mention doing Bobby Carnival with some cages? Is that because you did additional photography for his interrogation scene with the criminal snake importer? Yeah, we had a uh, little pickup with him. It's funny, when we got these sides, when I first got these pages, you know, they were green pages, whatever. And in a script, you always have a star next to a line that's changed. And we got these pages and you could just go down it and word for word, every time there was a star, it was adding fuck or shit or goddamn. Every single one of them. It was pretty actually humorous. <laughs> and it's some of the smallest stuff. The guy, um, I, I think the guy spraying the lays, you know, has a line like, this is going to drive the snakes crazy. We rebuilt that and shot, this is going to drive them fucking crazy, <laughs> you know? Now, I know I've read that when they were shooting the film, it was called Pacific Air Flight 121. Had they already confirmed the name would be Snakes on a Plane before you did the reshoots? Or was that still in question? Oh, I don't think for a second it was anything but, you know, Snakes on a Plane. I think, as I recall, that was a working title that got pushed forward. And this happens a lot when you're out scouting and dealing with the community. You want a title that's slightly more generic. And I think I remember David saying that Snakes on a Plane 
was putting forward an image as you went to a location or a beach or a bar and it, they wanted something that sounded a little bit more adult to shoot the movie. But he was always, 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 and Sam Jackson, we're going to call it Snakes on the Plane. Did, were there other, other movies that came out after that that had that same sort of something on a something, you know, sort of title? Like that was sort of, it started a whole genre of, of those. I certainly remember the internet going nuts with it, you know, like, you know, rabbits on a rickshaw and everything was just, it, it just became a running joke through all through 2006, basically until the day the movie came out and then it just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. Maybe it was just the internet stuff. We were reading it all the time on the set. Yeah. Like, oh, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. The build up to that film was incredible. More than any movie I've ever worked on, you know, I could say, oh, what were you doing recently? Oh, I just shot Snakes on a Plane. And people go, Snakes on a Plane? Now you say, what are you working on? You name a movie. People don't know because, you know, it's not out yet. There isn't a buzz about, unless it's Star Wars, you know, 12, it doesn't have that kind of buildup. Snakes on a Plane had massive awareness going into that summer. And I think even following it, when people see the movie and the credits roll by, if somebody happens to read credits, and not a lot of people do, but if somebody happens to read credits, I got a lot of people who come up and say, you worked on snakes on a plane. Because <laughs> that movie is just, I don't know, it's iconic. It's just, it, it has its definite place in history. <laughs> it does. Folklore almost. Although I was reading an article recently that said, you know, why is snakes on a plane not a cult movie? And it detailed through, you know, why it just missed the cult movie status. So it, uh, and why? You know, why, it, why was it, that? it flirted with it. Uh, because it, it did not set out intentionally to be as kitsch as the audience wanted. So, you know, retroactively, we tried to engineer into something more than it was. But the, the core nature of it being, you know, a, a thriller is not, I think, what would have got it over the hump to be a film that you know for 50 years. Interesting. Um, I was thinking about this the other day that how many people that would go, oh, you worked, oh, your brother directed that. Yeah, did you watch it? Did you go see it? And they'd be going, oh, no, I, I can't go see that. I, I, I'm so afraid of flying and I'm so afraid of snakes. And I'd say to each one of them, no, but it's really funny. It's a, it's a funny movie, too. Do you guys remember the couple, the guy that was super afraid of flying? Yeah, him and his wife, the Honeymooners, they got yes. crushed by the cart. And we then, did some pickups on them, too. Sorry to interject, yes, but we did bring we, them in. We did, and they ended up getting bitten and killed. Yeah, we made it more violent. The one thing in that, I think maybe he should have lived because he was so afraid of flying. You it are such a softy. Listen to yes, this. Yes, it would have been, well, <laughs> might have helped people that are afraid of flying that he was one of the ones that came out okay. Annie, you're <laughs> saying this movie should be used as therapy, is what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> All right. But no, yeah. no, it shouldn't because he didn't live. <laughs> Could have. But he don't have a whole new life. But, but the film has a happy ending. They all get off the plane and they're all going to date and have a good time and go surfing. Yeah, you know? exactly. It, that film has the fastest turn of like any movie I've ever seen. You know, they, they land the plane, they hop off, they go surf. It's like a 20 second wrap up. It's actually a trick cut where you think they're still looking back at the plane. But in fact, shirts happen to be the same color, but the agent and the witness are now on surfboards so that he can teach them how to surf. Yeah, that yep. was that shot. We did that right on the lot. And when I say the lot, that actually is the name of the stage. It used to be the old Pickford lot. Yep. 
So in talking about the film's release, it's true that despite expectations, its box office numbers were not what I believe the studio expected. Now, for all three of you, I think that matters because you're entitled to residuals on the film. In fact, as a note, Eric and Paula, you guys get the full share of assistant director residuals through the Directors Guild because the other assistant directors were Canadian and are not entitled to those credits. You are 100% correct. (laughs) So are all of you? I'm, I'm not embarrassed of it. It was a, a financial uh, windfall, and yeah, you're I, I, you're 100 right. I've done that on other shows. You know, I did Freddy versus Jason, and I worked exactly one day on it. I mean, part of one day, and I got all the residuals for the entire movie for working that one day because it had been shot in Canada. That's like, uh, you know, that's lottery time. No, oh, I was probably the second second on that one because I'm not getting any of those residuals. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, Eric, you did get credit. That's it didn't awesome. say reshoots. It said additional, um, additional, additional out of the blue. And you'd think they would have had additional and then a list of everybody. Because a lot of the, I mean, there was a big part of the stunts were done on the reshoots. You know? Yeah. Actually, the and most memorable stunts are all done in those five we, days. We did not get credits. Wow. We <laughs> did not. No. Well, this podcast oh, no. is your credit. I think if you go into stunts, you're not doing it for the credit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, you're, yeah. you're clearly doing it for the snakes. Yes. <laughs> you have them dumped on my head. <laughs> and, or up your pant leg, you know. Hey, yes. good times. And the, and the good part about that was great. When I saw them in the aisle before they took them up above the dump on me, how they're all wrapped in there. They're a little smelly because they're all, you know, they get nervous like anybody. And um, they're pooping on each other. So there's little poo-poo snakes <laughs> coming on your head. <laughs> You're saying snakes are nervous to be dropped on Annie. Yes. <laughs> so it's not Annie that's nervous they about were this. nervous. <laughs> See, there's that kind-hearted Annie coming that's back right. at again. That's right. <laughs> You know what I think is amazing is that this movie that we worked on for like five days, 12 years ago, we can remember so specifically. I've got films that I worked on two years ago that I can't even remember who my own staff was, but I think partly because of David, you know, how fun that was, but working with all of you guys and uh, hearing your voices again, it just actually takes me back. And uh, what a really special time in my life that was. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll agree. As I said earlier, it just... From the top down, David made it a family affair. And even though my last name wasn't Ellis, I felt like I was one of the family. It was always a pleasure on those, on those two pictures that I, I worked with him. It was a pleasure. I hope I get to work with you again, too. I love working on um, NCIS LA. I just got to work a couple times on in the last few months and just worked with Eric again. It's a standing invite. Come back anytime. Well, you got to get him to hire me again, Eric. I'll leave that <laughs> up to you. How about me, Eric? Uh, can I come back yeah. as an AD anytime I want as well? Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if we have any snakes, Annie. You know, I know how much they love you. <laughs> well, uh, the podcast is my substitute for being on uh, set as an AD again. But I really appreciate you guys coming on and, and talking through these reshoots with me. Thanks, guys. It's been good to catch up. Absolutely. This was a good time. Thank you. Thanks, kid. Bye, everybody. And that concludes our discussion of Snakes on a Plane. We've also got a bunch of set pictures we want to share. You can find our community page on Facebook by searching for Podcast Below the Line, one word. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Your recommendation is the best way for us to reach more listeners. Email me your feedback via skid, S-K-I-D, at belowtheline1word.biz. That's B-I-Z. 
And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. On both of those platforms, we're at Pod Below the Line. Thanks as always to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. Next episode, in honor of Veterans Day, all my guests transition from the military to Hollywood, and we're discussing both the similarities and differences between the two careers. Hope you'll join us. The one that I still, I need to take time and try to figure out how he did it, was the coffee cup joke. He'd take the, the foam coffee cups, and he would put a, a, a small hole in it, but it's bigger than a pinhole, and he'd keep his thumb over it. Okay, and he'd be standing there, you know, telling people, oh, yeah, yeah, no, move that camera over there. He'd do this whole thing where he would hold that coffee cup for 10, 15 minutes around someone that he's going to pull the prank on. So they could see that he's holding his coffee cup. And then he would pretend like he needs to run over to that camera really quick. So he'd pass it to the person that he's been (laughs) prepping. He would prep all his jokes. So he'd hand it off to them. Hey, buddy, could you hold my cup real quick? Well, of course they would because A, he's the director and B, they've been watching him walk around with it. So there must not be anything wrong with it. And then he'd pass it off to him in a certain way where they wouldn't see that hole and it would proceed to pour out right on their crotch because they're holding it in front of them. And I got to figure out how to do that one because that's one. We'll have to figure that out, guys. Help me out on that.